Father in heaven, thank you so much for this time. Thank you that we are able to come and study your word. Thank you for your watch care for us throughout this past week. And now as we're about to study, please grant us your Holy Spirit to inspire us, to illumine our hearts and minds, to speak directly to our hearts that, Lord, we might continue to grow in faith as well. Lead us, O Lord, is our earnest plea and prayer. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please turn with me in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, and we're going to read there verse 30. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 30. The Bible says this, And what shall I say, more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, and of Barak, and of Samson, and of Jephthah, of David also, and Samuel, and of the prophets. You know, there is a whole list of names that are mentioned here. And because Paul does take the time to mention them, Gideon and Barak and Samson and of Jephthah and of David and Samuel, some people that are famous, King David, and then some that are not so famous. Who is Jephthah or Barak? We will study each of these characters in relation to faith in the coming weeks. But the first name that is mentioned there is Gideon. And I know his name is spelt a little bit different in the New Testament, depending on which version you have, but it is Gideon, G-I-D-E-O-N. And there are five sections when it comes to his story that we're going to be looking at today. Five sections that we're going to go through. So I want to invite you to turn the your Bible now to the book of Judges. We were in Joshua and we kind of seem to go through that book, just that one story, and then Paul moves on as we are now looking at the story and the faith of Gideon. Judges chapter 6, starting in verse 11. Judges 6 verse 11, the Bible says this, And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak, which was in Ophrah, that pertained to Joash the Abiezrite. And his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. So Gideon, he's there and he is collecting some wheat by the wine press. He's hiding it from the Midianites. Why? They are the ones that keep coming and taking all that they have. Why? They are the ones that are in control and oppressing them at this time. But an angel actually appears to Gideon and he calls him a mighty man of valor. It's interesting that he calls him a man of valor because at this moment, he is not. He's hiding this little portion of wheat that he's grown and he's trying to keep it to himself in case the Midianites come and take it. But the angel has a conversation with him. Gideon actually has a conversation with an angel and he calls him a mighty man of valor, brave man, a man that is what? When we talk about valor, it's in usually relation to war. This is what God through the angel calls him. Let's continue verse 13. And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles which our fathers told of us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? So 
If you're calling me a man of valor and you're call, saying that God is with us, where has God been? We are under oppression. And Gideon has a right to say that because that's exactly what is happening at this time. But now the Lord makes it very clear in verse 14. Gideon, I am going to deliver the Israelites through your hand. Verse 15. And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. So not, not only does he begin to doubt here, but he gives the reasons for his doubt. Uh, what is it? He's the least in his father's house. His family is poor. God, are you sure you want to work through me? Verse 16. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. You know, friends, we can see from this story and this conversation so far that Gideon is having with God, he really does not have much faith. He calls him a mighty man of valor, but God, who am I? And he says, I'm going to deliver the hand of the Midianites into your hand, but I, my family is poor. I'm the least in my father's house. God, are you sure you've chosen the right man for this mission? He is doubting the word of God. Are you sure you're calling me? And if you're with us, why has all of this happened? But then the angel reveals why he's there. I'm calling you, Gideon, to fight for God, to be the deliverer. And the angel gives this sign that he really is a messenger that is sent from God. And the words that he's speaking is true. Verse 21. Let's jump down to verse 21 of Judges chapter 6. If you're just joining us now, we are studying the faith of Gideon. Judges 6, 21. Then the angel of the Lord put forth the end of the staff that was in his hand and touched the flesh and the unleavened cakes. And there rose up fire out of the rock and consumed the flesh and the unleavened cakes. Then the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. And when Gideon perceived that he was an angel of the Lord, Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for because I have seen an angel of the Lord face to face, and the Lord said unto him, Peace be unto thee, fear not, thou shalt not die. So Gideon, he gives a sacrifice and the angel touches it and it goes on fire and then the angel disappears, ascends up in that fire. And Gideon realizes, Oh, I really have been speaking to a heavenly messenger. And so it's from that point then that he begins to believe. Or should I say that his faith begins to increase. So the first thing that God has to do is establish the faith that Gideon has in him and his word that he is going to do what he says, which really at this time is almost impossible. He's going to deliver the Israelites out of the hand of the Midianites by the hand of Gideon, whom he says, my family is poor and I am the least of all people. God, are you sure you got the right man? And so that's why God has to do this. Gives him a miracle, gives him a sign, and it stirs up faith in his heart. But God is not done yet. You see, he can't be the leader of the people yet because there is sin in the family, sin in the camp. There is something that Gideon still has to deal with before God can fully work through Gideon 
as a deliverer. Let's go to verse 25. Judges 6.25 And it came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, Take thy father's young bullock, even the second bullock of seven years old, and throw down the altar of Baal that thy father hath, and cut down the grove that is by it. And build an altar unto the Lord thy God upon the top of this rock in the ordered place and take the second bullock and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the grove which thou shalt cut down. What does God want Gideon to do? He wants Gideon to go home and throw down the altar of Baal that his father was the one that set up for the whole town. Talking about a family affair, talking about going against your father, some people would call this dishonor. Oh, friends, we got to be careful that we don't dishonor our parents, but make sure that we still honor God at the same time. God is first, my dear friends. Family is second. And many of us, we always get these things mixed up. Obedience to your family does not mean you are honoring them. Gideon was still going to honor his father, but he had to obey God first. You know, this was a difficult task. It might have been easy for him to destroy someone else's altar, but this was set up by his dad. Maybe God was testing him to see if he would really trust his word. Remember, faith comes by hearing, Romans 10, 17, and hearing by the word of God. This is a small instruction, a small command that God is giving to Gideon before he's asking him to go and be deliverer for the whole of Israel. You see that? So God is seeing if Gideon would really trust his word, even if it meant going against the grain of his family, even the whole town and his father. So God is building his faith. Surely he's not just going to say, I call you and now go fight the Midianites. No, God is building his faith step by step. First thing, go and destroy the altar of Baal that your father has set up. What happens? Gideon goes ahead and does it. He does it in the middle of the night because he's scared. He can't do it in the middle of the day where everybody is awake and seeing what he's doing. He does it in the middle of the night, but he still obeys nonetheless. But what is the reaction of everybody? Let's jump down to verse 30. Then the men of the city said unto Joash, Joash is the father of Gideon, Bring out thy son, that he may die, because he hath cast down the altar of Baal, and because he hath cut down the grove, that was by it. People are asking for the life of Gideon just because he destroyed the altar. Look at the father's response. And Joash said unto all that stood against him, Will ye plead for Baal? Will you save him? He that will plead for him, let him be put to death whilst it is yet morning. If he be a god, talking about Baal, excuse me, let him plead for himself because one hath cast down his altar. Joash, even though he was the main and primary instigator of setting up the altar of Baal, now stands to confront all those that are asking for the life of his son. Oh, friends, his dad ends up standing for him, even the whole town was against him, and he changes his father's heart just because of this one act. You know, friends, 
God, He continues to test us through small little actions to see whether we truly trust in Him, whether we truly hold on to Him by faith or not. we got to be so careful that we obey every word of God. And so God sees that Gideon is willing to follow Him, that He's willing to trust Him. But Gideon has to do one more test. You see, what happens as a result though? Uh, Before we get to that test, pardon me, in verse 34, because Gideon was faithful, because he listened to the Word of God, what happens in verse 34? The Spirit of the Lord comes on Gideon and he blew a trumpet and Abiezer was gathered after him. Now because of his faithfulness, the whole town and those surrounding regions, they were willing to come and to follow Gideon. You know, God poured out His Spirit and empowered him. But not before, not before, he could see that Gideon was willing to follow every word. The result, Israel would rally around him. He would receive the endowment of the Holy Spirit. Yes, friends, we receive the Holy Spirit when we believe, but it's not the full measure. We need the Holy Spirit to obey. But even then, God gives us an extra measure when and after we have obeyed. Do you see that? So surely the courage that Gideon had to throw down the family altar, that that altar of Baal, that courage was given from God. The strength to do it was given from God. But after he obeys, God gives him an extra measure of strength. Do you see that? And so as a result, the whole of Israel is now being united. And this is important, friends, because sometimes we pray, God, I'm going to wait for you to just just help me, and that's it. And, And we wait and we wait, and sometimes God doesn't come around, or it's not really God. He's already given us the courage. He will already give us the strength, even though sometimes we feel weak and afraid and we're shaking. I'm sure Gideon was because he did it in the middle of the night, but yet he still obeyed. He was still willing to follow God. And then he gives him extra measure of Holy Spirit. And even at this time, Gideon, he's afraid to be presumptuous. He's careful. He wants to make sure because this is a big project, a big task that he's about to go on to fight against the host of the Midianites. He wants to make sure that God is with him. And this is the part of the story that Gideon is the most famous for. Judges chapter 6, verse 37. Behold, I will put a fleece of wool in the floor, and if the dew be on the fleece only, and it be dry upon all the earth beside, then shall I know that thou wilt save Israel by mine hand, as thou hast said. And it was so. For he rose up early in the morning, and thrust the fleece together, and wringed the dew out of the fleece, a bowl full of water. And Gideon said unto God, Let not thine anger be hot against me, and I will speak this once. Let me prove, I pray thee, but this once with the fleece. Let it now be dry only upon the fleece, and upon all the ground let there be dew. And God did so that night, for it was dry upon the fleece only, and there was dew on all the ground. The first time it being wet and then dry around was natural why the fleece would soak up the water. So he has to do it a second time. Now let it be dry and around be wet. And God answered his request. He wanted to make sure 
that God was with him. He wanted to make make it be clear that it was God was the one that was pushing him forward and he wasn't in some trance or daze or he was doing this in his own pride. He wanted to make sure that every step he was taking, God was the one that was guiding him. You know, friends, we have to make sure as well. Of course, we don't keep doing it and keep waiting and keep waiting like how Moses, he kept asking and God gave him sign upon sign upon sign until he said, let me choose Aaron thy brother instead. No, Gideon was was careful, but he didn't He didn't keep going when God made it so clear and he kept asking. So friends, there was that one more test. There's still one more test that God has to, in a sense, give Gideon before he can go out and fight the Midianites. But you know what's interesting, friends? We have already gone through three sections, three steps, the calling right from God and the confirmation from the angel. That was the first one. The angel ascended up. But the second, the casting down of the altar of Baal. And then the third, the test of the fleece. And, you know, the dad changed and he protected his son. And as a result, he got an extra portion of the Holy Spirit. All Israel was gathered. And then he does the test of the fleece. You know, by this time, having gone through all that Gideon has gone through, his faith is really, is that full strength. He has total faith in God. And there's no more reason to doubt God, is there? I mean, at this point, we should have considered the battle won already. He's not fought a single Midianite, but he already has the full assurance that what God said at the very beginning, I'm going to deliver the Midianites through your hand. The battle's already won. Gideon has been faithful. He's been going through step by step. He's been following God. And his faith is at this point really so strong, he has full assurance that God will be with him. But yet God gives him one more. Judges chapter 7, verse 1. Then Jerubbabel, who is Gideon, and all the people that were with him rose up early and pinched beside the well of Herod, so that the host of the Midianites were on the north side of them by the hill of Moreh in the valley. So he's thinking, here's all the people, let's go, God. He's ready to go and fight. He is full of faith at this point. But what happens? And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people that are with thee are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, Mine own hand hath saved me. So he tells Gideon, Gideon, your army is too big. Why? It's not because Gideon doesn't have any faith. He's ready. He's followed God's instruction. Throw down that altar, and now I'm giving you the Spirit. Go and gather everybody together. They all come. He's ready to fight. But God says, what? No too many, because if you go and fight and you win, Israel will think that they did it by their own hand. They are the ones that have no faith. God has to work on the faith of those that are under Gideon, the Israelites that are with him. You know, friends, sometimes we've got to remember we got to remember, you as an individual might be full of faith and you might push forward. And you, you know, sometimes we're tempted to say to others, where is your faith? How come you have no faith at all, right? 
but these people are with him. That's not really the case. He's scared that they might have pride. But we've got to remember the lesson is the same nonetheless. Even if God has been leading you in your life of faith, you've got to remember that everybody's faith is not on the same level. We've got to help people to grow as well, grow in faith. And so this test really was for the Israelites. But does it test the faith of Gideon? Oh, definitely. Verse 3, Now therefore go to, proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whosoever is fearful and afraid, let him return and depart early from Mount Gilead. And there returned of the people twenty and two thousand, and there remained how many? Ten thousand. There were thirty-two thousand people that came from all parts of Israel that rallied behind Gideon in the previous chapter when the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. But Gideon says, if you're afraid, if you're fearful, go home. More than two-thirds of his army left. Why is God doing this? Not for Gideon. Remember, he's not weak in faith anymore. He is doing it for the Israelites. They had been caught up in idolatry. They were worshipping Baal. God had to help establish their faith as well. 10,000 are leaving. Verse 4, And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people are yet too many. Bring them down into the water, and I will try them for thee there. And it shall be that of whom I say unto thee, This shall go with thee, the same shall be with thee. And of whomsoever I will say unto thee, This shall not go with thee, the same shall not go. So he brought down the people unto the water, and the Lord said unto Gideon, Every one that lappeth of the water with his tongue, as a dog lappeth, him shalt thou set by himself. Likewise, every one that boweth down upon his knees to drink. And the number of them that lapped, putting their hand to the mouth, were three hundred men. But all the rest of the people bowed down upon their knees to drink water. And the Lord said unto Gideon, By the three hundred men that lapped will I save you. And deliver the Midianites into thine hand, and let all the other people go every man unto his place. God tested them, and he separated them out based upon how they drank the water when they were thirsty. And out of the 10,000, only 300 were kept. Only 300 of the 10,000. Friends, that's 3% of the army, not including you know, the 32,000 that went home already, right? That was only 1% or less than 1%, friends. But you see, what was happening? God was cutting down the army so that not only, he still had to trust God. I mean, 300 men against the whole host of Midian? That's a pretty big feat already, right? But he is trying to separate out those that have the right character, who truly trust God. Now, friends, here's a very important lesson for us to learn. It's in the little things that God tests our character, the little things. I want you to consider Daniel. Just from the food he ate, God was seeing, could I trust Daniel to be a prophet or not? Just from his food. 
Even Samson, staying away from wine and not cutting your hair. I mean, these things are pretty little in itself, isn't it? God is testing through the little things. John the Baptist and his diet and how he lived as well. Could he be the one that would herald the first coming of the Messiah? Just by these little things. Even Moses, he was kept out of heaven. Not heaven. He was kept out of earthly Canaan. Because why? Instead of speaking to the rock, he struck the rock. Something so small and seemingly insignificant of all the things that Moses had done for God already. But yet it was the little things that kept him out from seeing earthly Canaan. Friends, it is these little things that matter in life. It's these little things that build or even destroy our faith. These little things matter. And yes, what is, was it a test for Gideon? Yes, he saw his army go from 32,000 to 10,000, from 10,000 to 300. His faith probably was a little shaken a little bit, even though God says, with these 300 men, I will deliver the Midianites into your hand. But it, he was sifting them out. God was sifting them out. And yet at the same time, he was reassuring Gideon. But look, I want you to take a, uh, take a minute to consider this. You're the 300 men. You're one of the 300 men. Your faith would probably be a little bit shaken, wouldn't it? You would have to have faith in Gideon as a leader. There was no miracle done for these 300 men. But they knew that they were following a man of God. They also had to have their faith built as well. And I'm telling you, friends, God works in mysterious ways sometimes. It takes faith to really trust Him. I mean, walking around what we studied last week, walking around a city and shouting at it, that would really work? Are you sure? God's ways are not our ways, friends. And it doesn't matter how big or how small an army is. If we are faithful, faith is the victory that overcomes the world, friends. We got to trust Him. We got to trust Him. And so with these 300 men, Gideon is ready to go into battle. Verse 19, So Gideon and the 300 men that were with him came unto the outside of the camp in the beginning of the middle watch, and they had but newly set the watch, and they blew trumpets and break the pitchers that were in their hands. And the three companies blew the trumpets and break the pitchers and held the lamps in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hands to blow withal, and they cried, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. You know, we don't know whether they had swords or not. They must have. But here they are running down into the camp of the Midianites with their hands full, neither of which was used to fight. In the left hand, they had lamps. The pitcher was hiding the light, and then they were asked to break the pitcher to reveal the light from the lamp. And then on the right hand, they had trumpet. What kind of warfare is this? But yet it was under God's instruction. And they stood every man in his place round about the camp, verse 21, and all the host ran and cried and fled. And the 300 blew the trumpets, and the Lord set every man's sword, this is the Midianites, against his fellow, even throughout all the host. And the host fled to Beth Shittah and Zerarath, Zer Zer and to the border of Abil 
Abel Mahola and to Tabith. So God would be the one that would fight for them. They would turn every man's sword against each other only as the 300 were faithful to follow every specification that was outlined by God to Gideon. So friends, I want to look at this. These two things. Left hand, the lamp. Right hand, the trumpet. What is the significance of these items? The lamp, we know. Psalms 119 verse 5, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Friends, we got to go forward in faith to fight God's battles with the word of God. And the soldiers, the 300 plus Gideon, could do it because they had been following the word of God every step of the way. Friends, if we are to fight a victorious battle. If we are to fight the battle of God and come out victorious, we got to use the Word of God. It must be our foundation, not only to be used as when we need it, but we must make it our foundation upon our own life. We got to live it, or else the battle is lost already. We need the Word of God to be our guide. We need it to fight the Word, the, the battle for us. But how about the trumpet? What is the significance of the trumpet that they would use to to blow and make a certain sound? Definitely. But what does this trumpet represent? Hebrews chapter 4, and pardon me, Hebrews 12 and verse 19. Hebrews 12 and verse 19. And the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words which voice they had they that heard entreated that the word should not be spoken to them anymore what was a trumpet referred to as it was the voice or the words of god we see this also in revelation let's turn our bibles there revelation chapter 1 and verse 10 revelation chapter 1 and verse 10 i was in the spirit on the lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. And so it is the voice of God. But look, there's, it's very interesting. These two objects, they are seemingly the same thing. The lamp is the word of God. The trumpet is the voice of God, which is the word of God, right? But they play different roles. The lamp is to light our way, to show us to guide us, to lead us in our life, in how to fight, okay? But the trumpet, it declares the Word of God. There are two different things. We got to be guided, but we must proclaim as well. But of course, we got to proclaim. Before we can proclaim, we got to be guided. We got to be living by it. And so they had already done the needed preparation following the Word of God, and the Word of God was still their guide, but now they had to proclaim the Word of God, the name of the Lord, His Word, His voice. And friends, if we want to have victory, if we want to experience victory, it's not enough just to listen to the Word of God all the time. 
Yes, that is the beginning of our faith. It is necessary. It is important. And we got to learn to live by every word. Matthew 4, 4, right? We've got to learn to live by every word of God. But we've got to come to this point in our experience that we learn to also proclaim the word of God, to share the word of God. Why, friends? Because it's not enough just to keep eating without giving. When we begin to proclaim the Word of God, when we begin to share the Word of God, you know what happens, friends? It begins to stir our hearts as well. When we begin to live for other people, it begins to stir our hearts and our faith as well. It changes our perspective on everything that God shares. Because now it's not just for me. I need to know this for them. It's learning to live for other people. You know, if we want to have victory over the devil and his hosts, we got to share. They say that when you read and when you listen, even as you sit here and you're watching me, you're not really reading that much, you're listening. We don't retain very much as learners, isn't it? It only becomes ingrained in our life more and more as we share it. Only then, when, when we begin, you know, I remember when I was studying in theology school, I would look at all these preachers and teachers and, and uh, you know, they would know so much of the Bible and I wonder always, why? And then I would have this class, Fundamentals of the Christian Faith, and we have to learn all these doctrines and, you know, our Adventist doctrines and, and the things that are found in the Word of God. And, and there are texts that they would share with us that are very, very, very important Bible texts. Every doctrine has one important foundational Bible text that we had to memorize. And we had to memorize it for our exam. Oh, it was difficult. I could not remember all these texts. And I'm telling you, as soon as the exam was over, I forgot them all. They didn't mean much to me, especially I was just learning. The more I just, uh, I mean, as I sat there, yes, there were things that would enter my mind and God was changing my heart and life, but not to the extent of what I experience now when I have the opportunity to share God's Word. And so, you know, at the very beginning of this video of our sharing, I asked you to share. You know, that's not the same sharing that I'm talking about here. It's easy to click a share button and share this video. But what I mean by sharing now is, why don't you write down all the Bible texts that I've been sharing with you and you go and share it with someone else. Invite people on a Friday night, maybe, um, you know, Throughout this week, you don't listen to it on a Friday night. You listen to it on a Saturday night or a Sunday or a Monday. And then you have your own Friday night care group at your house and you share the Word of God with someone else. I'm telling you, that sort of experience changes us even more. And I believe that many of us, we don't obtain the victory that is needed because we fall short of this last step. And you know, friends, God is still wanting us to share today. There's a world to be won. There's a hell to shun. Friends, God has to do that work through you. And it comes back as a blessing to the giver. Because not only do you learn more, but it gives you victory. It strengthens your faith 
not just the faith of others. Friends, wherein is found faith in the life of Gideon? We've gone through the five sections. He could have doubted at every step. Do you know that? That first step, his calling. God, are you sure you're calling me? That second step, the casting down of the altar of Baal, scared of his dad and everyone in town. He could have doubted. God, are you sure? They're going to kill me. How am I going to be deliverer for, for Israel if they all kill me, right? The fleece. Are you sure, God? Are you sure? That's natural. That's natural. He could have doubted it. Then the sifting of the army. God, 300 men? Are you sure? 300? Never heard of this before. And then he could have, he would not have gone to fight if he didn't get through the previous four situations, right? But we see what happened. When God called him, he had faith that God really called him after that angel ascended up to heaven. And then when he asked him to cast down the the altar of Baal that his father had set up, his faith began to be a living faith. And then that fleece, he made sure that it was God the one that was calling him and not his own pride or ambition. And then the sitting of his army, he had faith that God, he knows what he's doing. And finally, when the battle came and he had victory, it was the result of Gideon's faith. Friends, Today, God is trying to build your faith. He's trying to test your faith. He's trying to help you to grow and then step by step, put into practice the things that you learn. He's seeing how much He can trust you because He wants to do great things through you just as He did through Gideon and even Moses and Joseph and Abraham. He wants to bless you and make you great in this earth but he needs to make sure that he can trust you first. That you're willing to trust him at every step of your life. Friends, what will it be? Are you willing to trust God? Have you come to this point in your faith experience where you've been reading the Word of God and maybe you begin to doubt? We have many hooks of doubt that we can hang um, our faith upon and just not believe. The creation story, who was present? The Red Sea, are you sure it really happened? You know, we have many doubts that we can just throw out there. But friends, God is asking you to trust His Word, not your experiences. Don't struggle with the instruction. Look at it, read it, believe it, and by faith, step forward. And if you've seen the River Jordan part, or you've seen the walls of Jericho come crumbling down around you in your life, why not hold on to Him even tighter? And sometimes the test might be even more extreme. But God knows that if you learn to trust Him, He'll do great miracles through you. Friends, why not test Him today? Why not taste Him today and see that He is good? Blessed is the man that trusteth in Him. Oh friends, may we be like Gideon today. Trust God at His Word, that even with such a small army, we can go out and defeat the hosts of the devils, not because of anything that we are, but because God is with us 
and we've stepped out in faith and he will fight the battles for us. May God be your source of strength and hope and courage today as we continue to walk this life of faith. Let's pray, shall we? Father in heaven, Lord, I want to thank you for giving us this story and how you you did such a great and wonderful miracle through Gideon's life. Lord, as we read it, help our faith to grow and help us to see how you're working in and through our lives as well today. And Lord, I pray that if we're struggling in faith, I pray that you'd help us to grow. I pray that you'd strengthen us, that you'd draw close to us, that you would reassure us with your words and that, Lord, you'd give us a fresh perspective and that you'd give us courage to step out and trust you. Lord, what does this world have to offer? Heartache and pain and troubles. Lord, teach us to hold on to you today. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.